Hello and welcome to The Consistency Project with E.C. Sinkowski. My name is Patrick Cummings and every week I have the distinct privilege of presenting E.C. with a question about nutrition, fitness, and the choices we can all make to live a healthier, more functional life by exploring both the principles at play and the actions worth taking as a result We aim to get you thinking, get you moving, and get you taking more consistent steps toward optimizing your well-being. Thank you so much for tuning in. How you doing, EC? Great. Thank you. We are going today to return to your Instagram feed. You posted something a couple months ago. My sense from the caption and from the post is somebody asked you kind of what your dream was, which is maybe another mother, another way to ask, like, why do you do this, EC? <laughs> why do you spend so much of your time talking about fruits and vegetables? And so the text on the image was, my dream is that we do the basics better, fruit, vegetables, protein, exercise, and sleep. Can you imagine the resources we would have to solve the non-preventable medical mystery, rare genetic disease type stuff? And so that question that you pose, I think is a really interesting one and, and one I think we'll get to today. But I really want to start with just this idea of your dream. And I guess, like I said, why do you spend so much time thinking about this? Why do you spend so much of your energy, so many years, so much time studying to talk about these things? Yeah, it definitely did start with a question. Somebody asked me just what was my dream? And it did actually make me pause for a second and think about it because I think in the beginning, when I was studying about nutrition, it was very much like, hey, I work out a lot. I should care about nutrition. Hey, I've done a lot of bio. It's fun to learn about. But then the more and more that I get into my own career with my own company, it's like, okay, what's really driving all of this for me? And and there's a couple different things there. But I think one of the ones that is so gets me fired up is like, oh my gosh, a huge amount of our current health woes, we already have the answer to, you know, and it's this chronic disease epidemic. And seven out of 10 people die from some type of chronic disease. And that could be heart disease or kidney disease or stroke or diabetes. And some of the cancers are even chronic diseases. And it's just completely ravaging our society. And what's so frustrating about that is it's pretty unanimous that these are preventable. I mean, like Mm. CDC is like diet and exercise, you know, don't smoke, keep a healthy weight, exercise, and you can prevent this. And it's not just from like this you can die from these things, but we also have a huge amount of resources going to them. You know, some of the stats that I've seen are out of our $2 trillion in spending, like 75% goes to these chronic diseases, which again, are preventable. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, we already have the answer. Why aren't we doing it? Do you think that most people recognize them to be preventable? And that's always one of the things I think about is because that number is so big, because it feels so like it feels so complicated and complex and scientific. And like, I, do you get the sense that people lose sight of the fact that it is preventable or to a large degree? We certainly don't want to yeah. to say, you know, zero out of 10 people will die from these things, but, right. but for to a large degree. Oh, totally. hundred percent. And I think I definitely don't have the solution, but you know, a lot of people will blame conventional medicine for a lot of our woes and big pharma for a lot of our woes. We have to remember what the doctor does. I mean, you go in maybe once a year, you see them, you might have some condition that they need to address. Maybe your fasting glucose is too high. You should be on diabetic medication. They have to address that. They have to address that so that you don't die tomorrow. They aren't necessarily the educators, you know? So where do we get this education about how to prevent? I don't really know. And then combined Mm -hmm. with the fact that we have a capitalist economy, which I am very supportive, but then we also have like (laughs) food marketing and food businesses are allowed to sell you and market stuff. So I think a lot of our diet becomes normalized, but it's normalized within the sense of like a a crazy diet, right? (laughs) Too much processed food becomes normal. And so I do think people don't know that it's preventable because they're just sort of living the diet 
and lifestyle that they see around them. And they don't know what that's leading to. And then their doctor is this like once a year visit. So I, d- I think people really, a lot of people, it's just an education thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there, it's, it seems to me that there's really two kind of two benefits to thinking about what we're talking about here, eating, eating well and moving, say. Yeah. And the first is kind of personal. And the second is kind of what you started to, to get at there with the, uh, with the Instagram post. And I think what we're going to get into today, which is, I don't know what you want to call it, sy- you know, sy- systemic, cultural, whatever's like bigger than you. There's you and then there's everything around you and everything bigger than you. So I wonder if you can maybe talk about the benefits that we're looking at as it relates to both of those ideas. Yeah. I mean, there's the you in the sense of, hey, we can make your life better. We can have Mm -hmm. your own quality of life can be better, not just extend how many years you're here, but like you can enjoy being active and independent without medication and all of these things. That's awesome. Great. And I hope that motivates you. But then we have this bigger system that, you know, we are a part of in terms of our healthcare system. And there's massive costs and also just a strain on your services when we have so many people who need so much care. From the cost perspective, not just how much is spent in healthcare costs, but also, you know, costs of like, because when I said the 75%, I was looking at the whole system, but like how much you have to pay every month for insurance or how much your business Mm -hmm. has to pay. And those costs are huge. And so obviously, the more sick people that we have, those costs have to go up. Interesting little side note, I did another Instagram post on this, and I had didn't do a total comprehensive study. But what I could find online is that people spend on average $15 a day for health insurance and about $8 Mm. a day on food. Mm. And so I think sometimes people will complain about food costs. And it's like, ultimately, we pay somewhere, right? We we pay somewhere, whether or not that's in our insurance, it's our food, it's out of pocket, we're going to pay somewhere. But anyway, so we've got these costs that you might be paying every month for health insurance, or your business is paying every month. And in the system, there, there's only so many people who are going to be qualified doctors and nurses. The system will be overwhelmed. I mean, one of the stats I've seen is 30 million diabetics by 2050. That's 10% of the population, which, by the way, is a way higher number than what we were predicting with COVID, you know? Mm. And so the system would be overwhelmed. And when a system is overwhelmed, again, I think having the COVID epidemic helps illustrate this. What's the problem? you won't get the care that you want. There might literally not be the hospital bed for you, for lack of a better word. And then all these other conditions, the, you know, accidents, stuff like that, or that are happening in addition to this this massive burden of chronic disease are still going to be going on. Like, we just don't have that many doctors. So it's not just about living a better life for you. It's it's also like the system can't can't take it. Mm -hmm. In a previous episode, we talked about accountability and self-accountability. And you mentioned the need for greater education, right? To, mm-hmm. to get people to understand, to get more people to understand, one, that these things are preventable and two, what to do to prevent them. I know it's a huge, huge, huge question and not, e- not easy to answer, but when you were to really look at it and, you know, because we're talking about kind of what your dream looks like, what, like, what would it look like to start actually solving these, you know, in EC's kind of perfect world where she was, she was put in charge? Is it something like, you know, kids are taught in kindergarten on that, to, to eat green foods right? <laughs> or like if you could, where would you kind of allocate resources, allocate attention that maybe isn't being allocated today to, even if it's not, even if we don't get to fix it for 15 or 20 or 30 years or something, but like, where would you actually start to allocate resources so that eventually yep. this problem, this, this gap between knowing and doing gets smaller? Yeah. I definitely think, you know, school is a great place to start. I mean, 
you know, I know the education system gets a lot of criticisms because what's taught is not necessarily used in real life. And I think nutrition is a great example of that. You might have a unit once or twice in home ec where you learn how to prepare like instant pasta. And, and that just is really dis- a disservice. But I think in addition to that, whether or not there's sort of like a healthy lifestyle course or mini course that happens once a year, but then the school has to practice what they preach. Those school lunches need to be different. What's offered on school campuses needs to be different. Like there needs to mm. be this total integration of this is the life that needs to be led. So it's like, you can't just go learn about the 800 gram challenge in one of your, you know, I don't know, eighth grade class. And then all of a sudden you go to the, the lunch and all you there is to buy is some sports drink full of sugar and donuts. Like that just isn't going to work. So I think education, but then, you know, in addition, what, what is served on school campuses, school grounds need to change as well. So that would be one thing for sure. I think we might have mentioned this before, like I think having the health coach industry rise is something that's a little bit more accepted and known as a profession and respected to sort of buttress the doctors and the nurses to help them kind of be the in-between those year-long appointment gaps. I think that would be huge. And then I think there's something, and I don't have the answer here, and I'm certainly not speaking for all people in all conditions there are socioeconomic factors that are just too complex to just say with one broad <laughs> swipe, like everything will be good this way. But I do think some type of incentive-based system for insurance, insurance would be useful. Like people have to be on the hook a little bit more, you know? And I, I think about this because I've heard a lot of criticism of incentive-based systems and that they don't work and all of that stuff. And I'm like, well, how did, how did we get smoking to come down Mm. how did we get seat like wear your seatbelt right like i knew i grew up without doing that and now that's the first thing you do like how are we so good with those messages which don't really necessarily have a immediate impact like you know seatbelt and smoking but yet we haven't been able to do the same thing with diet so i don't know if it's public service announcements i don't know what it is but i think there maybe it's some type of incentive-based system with your insurance that is also coupled with the education that is also coupled with you know other factors yeah Yeah, that's interesting. So in light of maybe those things happening, what do we do today individually, maybe collectively as best we can to tackle this idea in a way that's that, again, because none of us have the the power and the the ability to kind of change school systems or certainly health insurance by ourselves? Where do we land? Yeah, I mean, what's cool about this predicament is that we all actually have the power to change it regardless of the system, right? You can blame conventional medicine all you want. You can talk about big pharma being so terrible. Yeah you can avoid all of that entirely. You just have to (laughs) not smoke. That's a big one, which, you know, I think coming out of the CrossFit community, we don't talk a lot about, about, but that's still a very big risk factor for all of these. So Mm -hmm. not smoke, maintain a healthy weight with a relatively healthy diet and move a little bit. You know, and that's essentially what I get after with the consistency project. I get a little more specific on what I want in your diet and all of that stuff, but that's really the foundation of it. But I think the important thing there is we really don't need perfection. You know, we really don't Mm. need to be these amazing athletes who only eat steamed kale and and poached chicken breast. Like we really don't need to be that level of perfection. In fact, we see that people are already living in their seventies with a terrible diet. So like we don't need perfect. And this is the reason that you can't, I can be non-dogmatic about nutrition, right? Because I just know that Mm. in the long term, we, we really just need some basic things, healthy weight, relatively healthy diet, exercise, don't smoke. And yeah, and I think those are the things that people really need to do. And of course, some of that is going to come with education. And so I don't want to say that everybody needs to be doing it now. There needs to be some level of help with that. But I think there's plenty of people out there who have enough education, knowledge, means to make these changes on their own in their life. Yeah. 
one of the things that I, I love about how you talk about these things is your willingness to say you don't have to be perfect. I think that that's <laughs> not only is it true, but it's also incredibly refreshing. And I wonder if you have a sense of like, where did, when we're thinking about maybe nutrition specifically, where does or where did this overemphasis on perfection come from? Is it the individual thinking that like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to be perfect. And if I can't be perfect, I'm not going to do it. Is it nutritionists saying this is the way it has to be done and, and you have to do it this way? Is it marketing? Like, do you have a sense of no. like, where can we pinpoint? Okay. That's why you think you have to be perfect so that we can then kind of work backwards from there and say, here's why you don't need to be perfect. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's obviously a couple different things in there. I think sometimes people who are nutritionists or influencers, they do actually misunderstand that they do actually think you have mm -hmm. to be perfect. I think there's something else too, is that when you come up with diet rules, you have to give rules that will help guide people. And unfortunately, rules kind of are black and white. And so I always try yeah. to explain that like diet rules don't actually represent what happens on a physiological level. They're kind of the shorthand way to get after your physiological goal. But physiology, again, works more like a, a dimmer switch, I think I used in one of our conversations, not like an, an on and off switch. Mm, yep. And so... That's what's hard too, is like when you go into these diets that are like no sugar, it's like becomes this ultimatum of no sugar and it implies yeah. perfection when really they're trying to say, hey, we can't eat too much sugar. And a lot of the stuff that you're eating is too much sugar. And so we got to cut it out. But, you know, does that work for people that are like the accountant or the music teacher who just needs a simple guideline? Not as much, right? So I don't want to just blame the nutritionists. I think some of it is also just kind of the way that our mind works to understand these complex concepts simply. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to get to the big question you kind of asked, and uh, that I, I I'll read it again at, right. uh, from from your Instagram post. Can you imagine the resources we would have to solve the non-preventable medical mystery, rare genetic disease type stuff? I'd love for you to unpack that for us. Yeah, so I said there's kind of a couple reasons I'm so passionate about fruits and veggies, and yeah, I want you to have a better life, better quality of life. I want you to save money on health insurance. I think all of that is great, but I think there's this massive opportunity cost that we have by spending so much of our time on something that already has the answer. I mean, I just think about mm -hmm. all of the time that is spent on these chronic diseases and the money and the brain power. I mean, pharmaceutical research for obesity. I mean, it's just sort of like, how are you going to control an excess consumption of calories after the fact with a pill? I mean, I think, you know, you could look at hunger signaling, all that stuff, but it's just sort of like, oh my gosh, we've got to move upstream. We already know what the problem is. And so we're spending all these resources when we could be looking at things like rare genetic diseases, like I said, the medical mystery stuff. I mean, there's just these cases where you see people who have, you know, they have a disease that's like one in 200 in the world, you know, and they have massive disabilities and, and deformities and, and actual physical pain from it. It's like, what can we do for them? You know, what kind of treatment can we have? What about their therapeutics? How can we improve their quality of life? And so I'd love to be able to transfer all of those resources that we have. We already have the answer and be able to kind of fund this other effort where we don't have the answer. What about the person who I just saw it again on this morning on Instagram? Somebody was posting their friend's son's leukemia is back. You know, mm. what, what can we do for them? And until we kind of divert some of these time and resources and costs from where 70% of them are going, it just seems like we're really just wasting our time. Mm. There seems to be, I don't know if it's an analogy or, or what it is, but with the times we're living through with COVID, there yeah. seems to be a, at least a, some connective tissue between what we're, what we're seeing now and maybe a, a much more intense version of it, you know, to what you're saying that I think happens over a long, a long period of time, but we're seeing the result of a lack of focus on 
these ideas and these things that you're talking about, right? And what happens when too many people have these chronic diseases or are at risk, a higher mm-hmm. risk than they, they probably need to be. Do you, do you see a parallel there? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think COVID's highlighted our sensitivity in terms of our health, for sure. And I also think though COVID's highlighted something else as well. And, and it's kind of this idea of almost civic duty. You know, the way that I see this is like on a population, we can, we can be doing better, not necessarily for coronavirus, what I'm talking about in terms of these resources in my dream is that we can be doing better, like not just for myself and my own, but like, let me allow those resources and time to go to somebody else. And I think we're seeing that kind of with the mask issue <laughs> with coronavirus, mm. which has become a very hot topic. And we can argue till the day is done, you know, about whether or not they're valid and all of that stuff. But for me, it's like, look, wearing a mask, I mean, I'm not going to do it forever, but for a few months, while we have no idea what's going on, let me, you know, do what I can to possibly prevent the spread to somebody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a little bit level of that just kind of to it. And I, and I would say that's a much less severe example of the chronic disease thing, but I think it's sort of the same idea of like, Hey, what can I do to help out the system here? Because the system gets better with every person that gets better. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it can be such this big monolithic thing of like, Oh, healthcare in the U S is so bad. And it's like, yeah, it's so bad because we're so bad. So what can I do to make the system better? Mm-hmm. Before we wrap up anything about this subject, about your dream here, Worth mentioning, worth talking about that I did not ask you. I don't think so. I guess what I, I guess I will add one more thing. (laughs) No, but yes, (laughs) I love this. And again, I stole this from somebody else. And I think we have to operate at our highest level of knowledge that no, not everyone's going to know that exercise is good for you and that fruits and veggies are good for you, partially because of the reasons that we already discussed. But I do think that once you know that, then you are sort of bound to having to do that. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. you have enough education now to make it happen. And so we need to follow through on that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Couple housekeeping things. One, thank you for listening. Of course, if you do like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Two, we don't want you to forget about the Consistency Project Leaderboard. EC, do you want to tell them a quick brief of what the Consistency Project Leaderboard is? Yeah consistency.optimizemenutrition.com and you just create a free account and every day you log yourself on 800 gram challenge if you did it if you ate enough protein if you exercise and you slept enough and all the rules are there and it's literally just a yes or no thing and so you can stay consistent with me on those lifestyle and diet habits love it last thing is because this is still a bit of an experiment for us and for you where do you want folks to reach out to you let you know what they think of the show ideas they have for topics all that stuff what's the best place to get a hold of you yeah i appreciate the feedback i've gotten so far instagram is great if you have specific messages comments at consistency.optimizemenutrition.com and i've seen some of the ratings as well on some of the podcast platforms all of that's super helpful awesome thank you ec thank you for listening and we'll be back next episode Hi all, EC here. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the show. Thank you as well for all the support for the five-star ratings and the reviews and for telling your friends or family about the podcast that really does help the podcast grow. And if you want to get the most recent info from me and be up to date on all of my content, the best place for that is my email list. So you can subscribe at optimizemenutrition.com slash email. I send out emails (laughs) weekly-ish, and that's also the best place to get your question in the queue for Quick Bites episodes. So again, that's optimizemenutrition.com slash email, and there's also a link in the show notes.